say Africa must wake up the sleeping sons of Jacob for what tomorrow may bring may our dynasty on the morning bliss can you tell me young ones who are we today this morning on uh, our dynasty, we are speaking to advocate, uh, Raz advocate Sipo Mandula, and uh, we are looking at education systems in Africa. Um, we are debunking Western education system in Africa and reasserting African-centered education systems. We've heard a lot of people talking about decolonizing education. What does that mean? What will it look like? Is there a need to decolonize or should we be going back to the way education was in Africa. Will that help us in this modern day in society? Well, there's a great awakening to education, and this is why we're having this conversation on our dynasty. Raz Advocate Sipo Mandula, good morning, and thank you very much for joining us. Jumbo Africa, refreshing morning, uh, Empress No Nkule, to listeners. A very interesting topic, uh, looking at that January is Education Month, and it was important for us to look at those concepts that you have raised of the decolonized uh, education or colonized education, as others will have said. But it's also important to learn from those who have came before us, some of our elders like John Henry Clark, who have said that when we have to understand the concept of education, we need to understand the thinking of the uh, community and of the people that you ought to control. Hence, you understand that Western education had this um, a trend and this uh, approach to deal with our history and our culture. It, it, it is also to make us ashamed of who we are. Hence, it is very important for us to understand that before even colonization, there was education in Africa. Uh, it is the same the concept of the missionaries that uh, before Christianity arrived in Africa, there was no uh, any African spiritual practices which they were there before. So it is important for us as we try to can debunk uh, and mask this Western education system to also put the African education system into the highlight to say, but these are the features, these are the grounds of African education system. Now, Raz Advocate Mandula, education in Africa before colonization, what did it look like? Uh, we hear of great, um, you know, discoveries in Africa, but we hear them in silos. We don't hear them or read of them or learn of them in uh, the mainstream education. That is, that is quite true, but remember that European uh, civilization interrupted the African way of life. That when you understand that education in an African context was also to look at the basic needs of our own people, your food, clothes, and shelter. Uh, education was also on community relations with our elders, those who are living, those who have passed on, and nature. So education, you never separate it from the um, community. It was important that the education, it was not just an individual, but it was a collective and it was a communal space where people will engage in that form. And hence, it is important also to look that even if one will say, but in our dynasty, when are you tracking this education system? One will say the arrival of missionaries in Africa, whether in um, 1884, with the Berlin Conference, they came with also their education uh, systems, which was also influenced by Christianity, meaning religion was also used. But like I said, the African practices was more about development also. 
It was more about understanding nature. It was also more understanding the community that you are living in. So our education system, as you have said, there was innovation, there was philosophy, there was science, there was cosmology, there was law. So it was very vast if you wanted to think of those modules or even curriculum. Now, take us to the great places like uh, Timbuktu. I mean, we hear of the one of the biggest universities there. That is quite true. But if you look at the Mali manuscript or, or Timbuktu, as you say, it was the first African university, we'll always say, but in Mali, you had the one university that was also a blend of African indigenous knowledge system and the Arab knowledge system. Because that's where you find the investor of Sankore, the investor of Timbuktu with its own uh, writing uh, style, uh, with its own thinking in terms of nature, in terms of cosmology, like I said earlier, but also governance, because it's important to understand that education also had this component of having this elite, you know. So even African education also focused on its leaders. So there was this uh, African education that focused on teaching its own community meaning it was a home-based education. So our education was not this one of a, a formal education. It was informal, but it was also grounded with the knowledge of the elders, knowledge of the ancestors, knowledge of even innovation that was there. And you come from Mali, you go to Ethiopia also, you find ancient uh, uh, tabernacles or churches that were also based on African education system. You go to Senegal, check Antidiop, when he started to come with this notion of African Renaissance, it was based on education philosophies. So it is important that we don't come to the South. You find that in the South, uh, we have people like Utata, Utinkul, Abu Baba, Tiyosoga, Abu Babuntrai. So this were your early educationists in the early 1900s now. So we are moving out of the Berlin Conference. You come to the 1900s, you find that there were many African educationists who were also saying that, but this Western Christianized education is not a solution to our challenges or to our modern, or to our then, what they will call primitive years. But we are living in the modern world, but the modern world learns from the primitive world. So you say the primitive world is uh, where we got most of our teachings, but where we are now in the modern world, we are ignoring the primitive way of doing things. I mean, I'm looking at the fact that our history as Africans mainly was orally narrated. Um, and yes, here and there, there are drawings and texts um, on rocks and on on animal skins. However... How do we get a hold of all this education that comes from our forefathers and bring it back into the mainstream of education? You know, when, when we have to bring back our education, to go with the curriculum in, in injustices that we have went through, you'll first begin with our archives, our documents that were banned, that were deleted, uh, that were removed, because the issue also was that our history, like I've said earlier with John Henry Clark's quote, History and culture played a key role in the education, whether primitive or modern. Even in the modern context, education had this ideological feature 
of saying that you want to civilize those who are not civilized. You want to uh, educate those who are not educated. But it was a miseducation. So for us to get into the introduction was that even the apartheid South Africa used commissions of uh, inquiry. They used research. They had their own people who were doing research for them to say, but this native, this Africans, what is it, this Abantu, what part of education can we uh, invite in them, what, how we can uh, colonize them further with education. But for us, it goes back to our curriculum review, that um, if you look from post-1994 uh, with RVP that came from the founding president, Nelson Mandela, they didn't touch on education system because they had to deal with integration of white-based education, Bantustan education, apartheid education, came the era of Tabo now, education also goes with e- economy. So there was a need for us to say, but is our education responding to our economic needs? But that gear policy did not also assist came the era of President Zuma of free education. That free education uh, and decolonized uh, uh, education did not even hit this ground almost seven years later. Uh, and then you find President Ramaphosa's education vision. We don't even see it to say what is the vision of our universities, our basic education, how do we and learn so that we may relearn how do we revise, as we have said, our history textbooks. But I don't only sit on history. We look at our agricultural studies. We no longer have agricultural studies that are being uh, encouraged among the young people. The second aspect being economics also. It's not being uh, encouraged. And the issue of philosophy to understand our natural uh, beginning our natural genesis, where do you come from as Africans? That goes into social uh, cultural knowledge that was left out. And also the role of sports, arts and culture in our education curriculum is also important because it deals now with the health and the well-being of Africans and of children and of those who are at higher education. So that's where I find that it's quite difficult for us to say, but how do we integrate when actually we have sold ourselves to the Western education agenda and to Western education system. So with regards to us, um, you know, understanding where our current education system comes from, um, especially here in South Africa, we've got an education system that has been changing over years. Where does it come from? Is it working for us? We've had grade 12s who some have passed, but those who are going to enter into the higher education institutions are not necessarily going to make it to the end because they've passed with such marginal knowledge and marginal marks. So where does this education come from, the system, and how can we improve on it? You know, if you look at, I've raised that issue of the missionary education system that came in the African continent. Because what happened in Germany in 1910, there was a, a global missionary conference in that global missionary conference, they looked at this process of colonizing, civilizing, Christianizing, and commercializing the education system. Now, for us in South Africa, in 1920, there was a commission that was supposed to deal with education policy. And it looked at that, but let's look at the needs of this indigenous 
communities and people and use their local context. So that goes also to say, it's difficult to say, how do you deal with the education system that also it is embedded on the global power or colonial powers? You find that United Nations, World Bank, support education policies of many countries. And that's where we are finding our way, where we say, but post-independence in the 1960s, in the 1980s, in the 1990s, why is our education system also makes us to become the slaves? of the West, but it doesn't make us to be the servants of Africa. So education was supposed to be a social change vehicle, but it has become a social change uh, uh, liability. As you have said that our education system from your OBE, uh, outcome-based education, to the current education system from what you will say from Kara Asmal or from Sibuziso Beungu until Njumotera. Uh, you ask yourself, why is our education system, the passing mark is so low? You go to universities, it is 50 coming from 33%. So there is no a balance here of the scale here. And the university graduates also, when they leave the universities, they become unemployable. There is no job for them because the curriculum that they have studied there also does not respond to the economic needs of the African continent. And others will say that we used to have colleges of agriculture, nursing, education, but that was also an apartheid system of supporting their uh, resource development. So Africans should have thought the other way around to say, but how do we improve our education system so we can respond to our needs as Africans and even in the broader African continent? You have a Pan-African university, but you don't find many people talking about it. Hence, there is a say by one of other scholars, they say, actually in Africa, you've got universities, but you don't have universities that resemble the African image. The same like the schools. We have schools that pushes the children to have uh, school uniforms, but they don't have an identity of an African mind and an African knowledge. The higher, I mean, the cost of education also in South Africa and in Africa is very high. Hence, you have private schools, you have public schools. So you are still having what I call commercialized education that is only having the slaves for the West and not having servants for the African continent. You see now, this is an approach that needs a top-down we can't just do it from down upwards because the education system is governed by certain rules and laws and so on. And if we are not able to give our young people, our young minds, education that will incorporate who they are as Africans, we are running a risk of losing out on the richness of African education. Precisely. And, 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 we, and we are using the the most part being the language factor also that our education system also have went on the English as a lingua franca, as an economic language. Uh, even if you look at the continent, that you still have the presence of French, you still have the presence of uh, Portuguese, you still have the presence of English that you are even communicating with this morning. So, you, I mean, you have those challenges that for us to can reboot and revolutionize our education system, the language factor comes in, the access, the issue of access, you know, accessibility or the right to uh, education. It's not just a privilege for the few or for the elites. That's one challenge. And like you said, indeed, you ask yourself, what then is the role of the school governing bodies when it comes to curriculum uh, change or curriculum 
development. What then is the role of our subject developers in our basic education ministries in different provinces that doesn't talk to the history and the culture of the indigenous community? What then is the role of what I call the working uh, uh, encyclopedias, which is our elders and our ancestors? How do we integrate that knowledge? And it is difficult for us even to talk about indigenous knowledge system in this country, because people, they think we are becoming primitive, but our indigenous knowledge system also talks to the current innovations, creativity that comes from the young people of today. Hence, young people of today have to study music as part of curriculum. You ask yourself, why black uh, schools? You don't have other um, extra murals that will include music, will include arts and culture. You know, so you find, and even agriculture, because when you talk of agriculture, you must think of the food security of your own community. How do you support your own community to survive and to defeat hunger and to defeat poverty? So education, as I said, is not only, only one honorable purpose, as John Henry Clark has said, is to teach a student and a black student to be a handler of power. Oh, man. We've got a long way to go. We had leaders like Abu Bantu Stephen Biko who wrote books um, that were um, conscientizing the black mind, the African mind. Where are those voices in this day and age? Do we still have people who are writing that which will bring and instill pride in being African? Not excluding everyone else. The rest of the globe is still very relevant and important. We're intertwined. But do we still have writers who will make a 14-year-old proud to be African and understand that not everything that is a first comes from um, the Europeans and the Americans, but we also have inventions. We also have firsts as Africans. Precisely, we do have other writers who have picked up from the legacy of Abu Babu Pantubi, Abu Babu Sobukwe, and Abu Babu Solplak. You were able to become journalists, writers of uh, newsletters. Uh, Abu Umafrika Angile uh, in the West, in the Eastern Cape has been working on many books that talks to the young minds also. Um, you find that people who have been working, Abu Khafela, also, they've been doing uh, uh, theatre with young people outside the formal education. We have people like uh, Abu Mamir and Khal, who were the authors in early years, the first black novelist, was able to write a book that will show the two worlds that we are living in in terms of education. And you go further that you look at, even as you said, that we need to have global philosophers also in the African continent. You have Abu Walesu Yinke, who are still writing to the young people. Tiongo from Kenya is still writing to the young people. Uh, uh, and, uh, people like Wangari Wamatai, who was also an environmentalist, has left, left a lot of knowledge. In the South, you think of Indabamai children, and we grasp also with Indabamai children of Babakredi Mutua as part of our curriculum. So all these authors and names that have been uh, uh, raising, I think even in our school curriculum, they should have been there. Um, the heritage site visit for young people, why are we not even inculcating that when our children do heritage and tourism, it should come from early learning schools so that they learn their heritage site, they learn mother nature, they understand that also within these spaces we are able to can respond to the continental challenges and global challenges. Hence the importance of education curriculum review, uh, participation, like I said earlier, of the students, teachers, 
the school governing bodies in curriculum review is very important in all African countries. Raz Advocate Sipo Mandula, everything you're saying is on the point and precise. Um, I know that you are a father. What is it that you are doing in your space with your children to ensure that uh, being African and African knowledge and wisdom and education systems are instilled in them, given the fact that when they go to school, um, they are not necessarily taught things that will instill African pride? Well, that is quite true. That reminds me of what uh, one of the regular artists Peter Tosh once said that who is the first teacher actually? So it's the parents, it's the father and the mother. Children learn the cultural values in the house, first to know who they are. They learn their language. They learn to read the books written by their own. They learn how to speak different languages. So that's what I'm doing partly with the kids and the middle children uh, in our space, that they are, they are forever reading, they are forever analyzing, because education also, what I've even forgotten, it's got three things. You observe, you imitate, you explain. So children, what I've, I've seen from them, they've been observing uh, their parents, they will observe us as their parents, they will also imitate us to say we want to look like our father and our mother when we are growing up, to become knowledge holders and knowledge uh, uh, leaders. And also they become, they want more explanation, they ask more, and that's where you need to give more clarity to the kids. And that's where I always give them clarity, mostly when we talk about our black important days of remembrance, when we talk about Black History Month, you know, I always push them, when we talk about Kwanzaa, we even take them through all these cultural practices rather than theorizing them. So there is both theory and practice as parents that one is also uh, sharing disseminating with these young children because they are the present and they are the future uh, leaders of knowledge. Well, let's hope that uh, the powers that be at the Department of Education are listening and there is going to be a change. The change will not be in exclusion of everything else that we have learned in this modern day and age, but it will be a change that will include and uphold uh, black consciousness and uh, African wisdom and knowledge. Thank you very much for joining us, Raza Advocate Sipamandula. Please give us your closing comments as we wrap up. Absolutely. What, uh, what you, I mean, you have raised, it is important for those who are listening to become part of the change, to, be, to become change uh, agents also in, in uh, their own spaces. Teachers must start to emulate African teachings, emulate African proverbs, start to emulate and share with the young ones. And it is important for our educationists to understand that the history of education is also coupled with the history of colonization. We should never I mean, forget, to always link that colonized education has to move towards the colonized education. So it is important for us to constantly review our curriculum so that we have what I said earlier, curriculum justice, so that we don't have what others say, curriculum injustice, where we just have this education of two worlds, or education which has two sides, whether you have white education and black education. We need to move away from that and have a, a common education that can respond to the human needs of humanity in the African continent and in Azania. Asante sana, and we give thanks for this time and space to share our knowledge and to learn from our listeners at all times material. Uh, Raz Advocate Sipo Mandula.